0: This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit vobpbiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park.
1: Hey, Mel, Brian
2: here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty.
3: Daddy. Hey, Mikey, if you're going to puke, find the popcorn bowl.
5: It's 12.03, May 22nd, 2023. Good afternoon and thanks so much for joining us for the Monday edition of the WBBM Noon Business Hour. I'm Rachel Pearson and I'm filling in for Rob Hart. General Motors plans to introduce all electric versions of its best-selling vehicles later this year. We'll get the details later on in the show, but right now there are some key differences between men and women when it comes to financial planning. We're joined by Chris Everett, fiduciary financial planner and president of Everett Wealth Solutions in Forest park and Chris, I think it's first worth acknowledging that the type of conversation that's typically had uh, from financial planners with men tends to look a little bit different than it does for women though hopefully that's changing because I think uh, a lot of women are either making more financial decisions, making more money, definitely getting more involved in these types of conversations
0: Yeah I think you're right and I think it's important to know who the decision maker is in the relationship. You know, I think one of the things that I think is the most important thing somebody like me could do is be the CLO of any relationship, any firm. And that stands for Chief Listening Officer. <laughs> so if, if I'm the Chief Listening Officer, I'm also paying attention to how the people are participating in the meeting, right? You want to make sure that you're involving both parties, the man and the woman, whatever it might be, uh, because you don't really know who's making the decisions. And frankly, If you are the man or the woman in the relationship that's doing most of the heavy lifting with regard to money, what happens when you die? Mm -hmm. That other person really needs to be brought along so that they understand at least the fundamentals of how everything
5: moves. Well, and you mentioned a a really good point of longevity. Women tend to outlive men. So whether you are the primary uh, breadwinner in your family, let's say you mentioned death, but even the loss of income, a change in career, these are all things that, that can fall on a woman to deal with.
0: You betcha. It's, that's why it's just so important. Everybody has to engage. One of the tools that we use before we do engage is called a communication profile. It's on my website. So if you go to Everett Well Solutions and click on the resource tab, go all the way to the bottom, create a communication profile, helps me to know how you manage change, face risk, problem solve, process information. Now I can show up in the meeting and really be be powerful and I can honor who's sitting in front of me so that I'm listening correctly, if that makes any
5: sense. Yeah, and I'm curious to pick your brain what you're hearing from some of your female clients as far as the financial responsibilities that that are priorities for them.
0: You know, girl, it's all over the board. It depends on who you're talking to. I'm thinking of this one uh, couple that came to see me recently. She was a business owner, had a bad relationship, partnership, go south. So she got. She always was aggressive. So now she got aggressive, got her business back, built it back up again. She was making all the decisions really about money. And so, you know, you have to hear that and you have to understand what's happening so that you can guide them properly and still bring in the silent one in the room so we can hear what their heart is as well, because they're still going to stay married. They're still going to move together and be in sync if they get this money piece right does that make any sense yeah
5: absolutely and i'm curious do you have any advice for for women that are looking to either start this conversation with a financial planner or or maybe change the direction of the narrative that they're frustrated with of a cfp either talking down to them or not including them in the conversation
0: yeah i think it's important to really just talk to people I mean, one of the things we do is we have a pre-discovery meeting where I can either do a quick webinar with somebody or a phone call because you know how it is when you first meet somebody and you get a sense of who they are, whether or not you can even communicate well together. And it seems like you're in sync and really listening. So all that stuff makes a difference.
5: Thanks so much, Chris Everett, fiduciary financial planner and president of Everett Wealth Solutions. Coming up, Cadillac's most popular car, it's going electric. Information to make cash and save cash.
1: The WBBM noon business hour continues.
5: General Motors revealing plans to convert its iconic Cadillac brand to an all electric line of vehicles. Meantime, Ford is upping its EV game. So let's get the latest from Paul Hawkman, president of Humongous Media and former tech editor for the Today Show based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Paul, I think that the letters IQ might mean something different to General Motors than it does to me.
3: Well, I'm so glad that you led that way because IQ has never been associated with me, but I'm going to go with it. <laughs> um, I will say this. This is what's really interesting. is that, um, And then we'll get right into Escalade and Cadillac and Ford. But the letter Q, just like there are all these generational letters, right? With, with Apple, it's I, right? The iPhone, um, iMovie, you name it. Uh, with electric vehicles, it seems like the letter Q is going to be representing a lot of brands. In other words, Mercedes, which we, we didn't mention, Ford or General Motors, obviously, has now has the EQS. That's their new uh, line of electric vehicles, now Escalade IQ. Um, for whatever reason, branding experts have decided Q equals electric. But at any rate, they are spending a lot of money in, the, in, in an effort to transform the entire line of General Motors cars. But certainly they're one of the most profitable, which is the Escalade Uh, into an EV.
5: And is is the expectation, too, then that the popularity of this specific brand will translate to EV? Are they going to lose some buyers in this, maybe gain others? What's the strategy here?
3: You know what? um, I think it's it's a great question. And I think, frankly, that, that generational shift is happening. Okay, And I think people's expectations about how corporations are or are not responsible, whether or not they are or are not responding to global warming, and, and the, the human you know, influence on that um, is, is anybody's guess. But I think that the, the younger the demographic goes, and no question, Cadillac is not a young demographic on the face of it. But they are trying to push that direction for reasons that are obvious. The younger customers are coming up. Ford is doing exactly the same thing. By the way, Ford has a, a Ford. The F-150 is the best selling vehicle in the United States. It has been for years. Uh, and it's a pickup truck. Well, guess what the the Ford Lightning, which they've obviously introduced, which is an EV um, it, they can't make them fast enough, so the demand what you would have traditionally back to your question about customers, you would have thought that you know, average customers of a pickup truck would not be, they'd, in, they'd be into vroom, vroom and horsepower. Well, guess what? They, they get no vroom, vroom anymore, but they get even more horsepower. So again, the jury's out on whether the customers will flock to it. But right now, it seems like they will, because they can't make that F-150 fast enough.
5: Well, and automakers certainly are betting big that it will pay off because we know that this is not uh, a cheap endeavor to pursue.
3: No, you're in fact, you put your finger on something really interesting. It's, all, it's quite easy to say, hey, let's make more EVs. Uh, because there are more people who want them, but transitioning your business from an internal combustion, you know, ICEs with a sort of the acronym internal combustion engine world into an EV world is not. It's not just that you have to transform factories. It's all kinds of operations and sourcing and everything else are going a hundred years of of procurement is going out the window. So managing this transition is just as important as making a popular vehicle.
5: Thanks so much. Paul Hawkman, president of Humongous Media. Up next, we'll gauge the value of solar panels and pools on a home.
1: Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
5: There are several things to think about as homeowners consider residential solar energy systems, including the impact on resale value. Plus, a pool can be an add-on that some people are looking at as well. Let's discuss the impact on price with Brian Wickert, president and owner of Acunet Mortgage in Waukesha, Wisconsin. And Brian, let's start with solar panels because I drive around my neighborhood. I see several roofs with solar panels on them. If I'm a homeowner that's thinking about the cost versus the benefit, what are some things I need to know?
2: Well, I think that if, you're, if you've got resale in mind, it makes absolutely no difference. I think solar panels are going to attract as many people as they're going to repel, just because they're not very common. Uh, also, in my 35 years in the mortgage lending business, I have never seen, not even one time, an appraiser uh, make an adjustment to a home because it had or did not have solar panels. So it's kind of a mess.
5: Meh, meh. But it'd be good if you're planning on staying in your home. I mean, I think it's a great way to avoid rising energy costs. We know that there's also some rebates affiliated with it. Uh, So if you're if you're not planning on selling, maybe worth considering.
2: Right. I I think that in the big list of things, uh, if you're going to sell your house, it's not even in the top 50. Right. It's not like you're not going to lead with that in the description of your home. It's all going to be about the location whether the kitchens and bathrooms are redone. But you hit it right on the head, Rachel. If you're going to be staying in the home and you've done the calculus and you know, hey, it's going to take me five years to make back my investment, great. But it's not something that's going to impact your resaleability of that home, not even one eye over.
5: Now, let's let's shift gears here and, and talk about pools. And I'm going to throw in a, a personal anecdote here, because once upon a time as a child, the Pearson family thought it'd be a great idea to get an above-ground pool in the backyard. And sure, for the kids, myself, super-duper fun, but uh, I think my dad, in hindsight, would never want to do it again, and it's because of all the maintenance that goes into it.
2: That is, a, you hit it in the Midwest. Okay, it's one thing if you have a home in Florida or Arizona, you got to have a pool, right? In the Midwest, it is just as much of a repellent as it is an attraction. Mm-hmm. It actually really narrows uh, the the pool of buyers who would be interested in your home, right? Because I think in the Midwest, people you know naturally think, unless it's a day like today, hey, my pool season is going to be really short, okay? And, and and again, the cost of it, you're never going to get that money out uh, that it costs you to put the pool in. So it's strictly a luxury that you got to love. Uh, if you're going to do it, but if you're going to sell that house, don't think that the appraiser or any buyer is going to say, "Hey, I'm going to add a hundred grand because that's what it costs you to put in that pool." No way.
5: Yeah, I know uh, for a fact too that that the, I even have some neighbors who who just bought a house. There wasn't a pool. They went ahead and put one in because hey, they're sticking around. But I don't think that if you're from if you're talking from a seller's perspective, uh, this this again maybe isn't in that top fifty you mentioned.
2: Not, not even close. But if you were in Florida, now that's another, you know, that's a whole other kettle of fish. You'd want to have a pool for sure. I think it'd be a detriment. So like everything in real estate, it's all local.
5: Thanks so much. Brian Wickard, president and owner of Acunet Mortgage, based in Waukesha.
2: Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30
3: minutes! Now let's go win the sick playoffs!
4: Daddy, I just want my soup.
3: Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in in a few minutes. Hm. Instacart for the win. What?
1: This is Chicago's news traffic and weather station. News Radio 1059. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
5: Good afternoon, I'm Rachel Pearson in for Rob Hart, and these are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. More negotiations are on the docket in Washington, hoping to avoid a government default. Facebook's parent company levied a huge fine by European regulators. Artificial intelligence playing an increasing role on the job market, plus it's Stock Picker Monday, so we'll get a couple of suggestions from a portfolio pro. WBBM business. Markets are mixed. The Dow down 156 points. NASDAQ up 42. The S&P 500 near flat, but it's down two points. AccuWeather says mostly sunshine the rest of today with a high of 81 degrees. Overnight low in the mid-50s, then even warmer tomorrow. Sunshine and a high of 85 degrees. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues as talks taking place in Washington hope to avoid a first-ever U.S. default on the federal debt. Correspondent Rita Foley reports it would reverberate around the world and quickly.
4: Moody's Analytics says even if the debt limit were
5: breached for no more than a week, the U.S. economy would weaken so much, so fast, it would wipe out a million and a half jobs. And America's currency is so reliable around the world that merchants in some unstable economies demand payment in dollars instead of in their own country's currency. China might feel the pain. Orders for Chinese factories that sell electronics to the United States could dry up. Swiss investors who own U.S. treasuries would suffer losses. Moody's Analytics chief economist Mark Sandy says no corner of the global economy will be spared if the U.S. government defaults and the crisis isn't resolved quickly. I'm
4: Rita Foley.
5: Meantime, the European Union has slapped social media giant Meta with a record $1.3 billion privacy fine while ordering it to stop transferring user data across the Atlantic by October. The
6: penalty fine from Ireland's Data Protection Commission is the biggest since the EU's strict data privacy regime took effect five years ago, surpassing 2021's huge hit on Amazon for data protection violations. The Irish watchdog is Meta's lead privacy regulator in the 27 nation bloc because the Silicon Valley tech giant's European HQ is based in Dublin. Meta has vowed to appeal and ask courts to immediately put the decision on hold. The company adds there's no immediate disruption to Facebook in Europe. Charles Dillesma, de London.
1: It's 60 Minutes of Financial Planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
5: Markets are mixed this afternoon. We're joined now by Gary Koltbaum, president of Koltbaum Capital Management based in Orlando, Florida. And uh, Gary, I think it's safe to say that the debt ceiling is certainly on a lot of investors' minds. What's your thought on that?
6: Uh, Well, it's certainly uh, we're being told by all the people that took us to this position that the end of the world is coming unless they uh, raise more debt, scaring the you-know-what's out of people. Uh, Yes, so it it is front and center. I I don't believe a word they are saying that uh, the economy will collapse and the world will end. Uh, There's one hundred and sixty million of us that go to work every day to do better for ourselves and our families. Uh, We'll be just fine. They just need to get their act together.
5: And, And the debt ceiling certainly may be making headlines, but there is sort of an underlying issue and that's inflation. It's not going anywhere. So let's I mean, that may have a bigger impact on the economic equation.
6: Well, inflation is still elevated, but definitely off the highs. Uh, so trends uh, is much, much better. And, and let's just hope it stays that way. We'll know a lot if the 10 year yield starts going back above 4 percent. Then it'll tell us that maybe inflation would be would pick up. Uh, but for me and I have been talking about this for a while. The longer term is they, they say the debt ceiling is the crisis. No, the debt is the crisis. Uh, the amount of money being spent that they don't have is just Uh, The numbers are staggering, and and eventually there's going to be heck to pay. They're taunting the economy. They're taunting markets. uh, They're taunting uh, the citizens uh, with the growth in size of government, scope of government. uh, And and just on the spending side, it just never ends, unfortunately.
5: There's also been talk, too, that we could see not one but even another two uh, increased rate hikes from the Federal Reserve. Uh, Certainly a lot of talk about recession. Which side are you on? I can take a guess, but (laughs) I'll ask anyway.
6: Uh, I think there are areas already in recession, but I think overall, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people working. Uh, Unless we lose the job market, I think the economy will be uh, okay. Nothing spectacular. Uh, But all this talk about deep recessions, uh, I'm I'm not there yet. That said, if we lose the job market, then we talk because the uh, credit card usage has skyrocketed to a record high at the highest interest rates we've seen in forever And uh, savings rates have plunged. So that's a one-two punch uh, that we definitely have to worry about. And by the way,
5: that's not opinion. Those are facts Mm -hmm. uh, that we have to watch very, very closely. Well, you mentioned the one-two punch. I I would use the analogy of sort of this like looming storm cloud over investors. So what advice do you have for individuals trying to sort of navigate these these, uh, troubled waters?
6: Well, we're big believers in just following the major trends. And right now, the major trend is the NASDAQ technology, software, and the like. Uh, obviously, they, they crashed the financials, uh, but maybe the worst is over there. So we're at, for the first time in eons, we're actually looking at them, not sure if we're going to play the retail just crashes. So you know, it is a, about as split tape as possible. But we're. It looks like we're in uh, a decent season here for technology that was destroyed over two years and may be coming out of those woods. And that's where my money's uh, being placed.
5: I think part of the boost that we're seeing in technology is also the the implementation of of artificial intelligence. Just just tacking that name onto a stock seems to at least give it a, a little bit of a boost. Is it? Yeah. Is that something that's going to, to to stick around in the long term? Is it just hype? How how do we navigate AI in in the stocks?
6: Uh, most definitely some hype. Uh, you're noticing companies mentioning it 50 times during their conference calls. That's what we mean by hype. Uh, the reason why technology is doing well again is because value, they, they, I mean, they were basically down 60, 70% a lot of names. So valuations are lower while some of these companies are still growing decently. And we know by fact, we're going back decades, technology is the, is a driving force behind productivity gains. And I think there are going to be places, uh, uh, to make money off it. Of specifically, you know, the software stocks right now, much, much better So, again, that's where, uh, you know, my money's best and I keep my fingers crossed. I know what the heck I'm talking about.
5: (laughs) Thanks so much. I hope you do, too. That's Gary Copalm, president of Copalm Capital Management based in Orlando, Florida. You can find him online at GaryK.com. And up next, the conversation of artificial intelligence continues. We're going to talk about its impact on the job hunt.
1: Money Talks as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
5: Career paths are increasingly being directed by artificial intelligence. So let's talk about how that's affecting job searches with Michelle Reisdorf, Chicago jobs expert at Robert Half here in Chicago. And uh, Michelle, this is becoming an increasingly uh, larger role when it comes to applying for jobs, finding candidates. How exactly is artificial intelligence? What role does it play?
7: Well, it's simply, you know, more and more companies are using applicant tracking systems to more easily, you know, gather applicant data, collect resumes. And, you know, the AI involved in that will just help organizations kind of assess and select talent. Um, by better matching it to, you know, their skills and their work history to what employers' requirements are. So if I'm
5: applying for a job, do I now need to think about the AI algorithm and making sure that my data is going to show up at the top of a pile compared to other applicants? I think that's uh, that could be tough to navigate.
7: No, because, um, you know, companies have been using applicant tracking systems for years, which really operate off of the, kind of that keyword match. You know, the key thing is just making sure as you build out your resume, your history, your skills, that you're just very thorough about making sure that you explain everything you can fully so that it is captured as it is scanned and picked up.
5: And again, from an employer perspective, using this technology obviously saves a a lot of time in in just sort of getting through the weeds of an applicant. But ultimately, there's still going to be sets of human eyes looking at the job application process.
7: Absolutely. The technology just helps, you know, more quickly identify the matches, again, between the skills and work history of a candidate to the employer's requirements. But it's a, AI is a tool. It's not a substitute for the human art of recruiting. And, you know, really today, successful recruiters at any organization are looking at soft skills like communication, attitude, you know, um, a candidate's in, true interest in succeeding in a role in making decisions about hiring.
5: And, and right now, AI is being used to to sort of sift through applicant information. It, will it reach a point where we start to see, uh, you know, have a sit down interview? Well, it's not going to be with a person. It's going to be with AI. <laughs> is that, is that yeah. something that's realistic? I, I'm thinking it, it could be.
7: Um, I mean, possibly. I don't see it, though. You know, at the end of the day, soft skills are as important as the hard skills on a resume. And, you know, I don't know that AI can identify that. It's truly going to take a hiring manager, you know, recruiter, et cetera, to identify those soft skills.
5: Any advice for someone that's that's applying for jobs where they know that, that it's, say, a larger company that's going to use this type of AI, this sort of algorithm?
7: You know, I would say still put a personal touch to the process. You know, if you're applying and, and your resumes being swept up into some sort of applicant tracking system or gauged by AI, still do a proper follow up or email intro, make a call into the company if you're truly interested and, you know, want to get a role there, use your connections, um, you know, to seek that out. And, you know, and oftentimes get yourself a chance for an interview.
5: Thanks so much. Michelle Reisdorf, Chicago jobs expert at Robert Half. You can join us at this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday. And still to come, it's Stock Picker Monday. We'll get a couple of suggestions from an investment pro.
1: The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
5: It is Stock Picker Monday. Sharing his expertise with us this afternoon is Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter based in Hammond, India. Chuck, glad to have you with us. What's your first pick?
8: The first pick, as everybody knows, who's listening to my voice, gener- generative AI has become the hot topic among investors, and but it's tough to find stocks in that space that aren't just crazily valued. I think I have two here. The first is Alphabet. The symbol is uh, GOOGL. Alphabet trades for about one hundred twenty-five dollars a share, down from its its uh, all-time high of about one hundred and fifty dollars a share. I like Alphabet. It's a company that had about $115 billion in cash and securities at the end of the quarter, so it has the financial firepower to stay you know, on the cutting edge of, of any technology, including AI. Uh, earnings are improving. This last quarter was an improvement from the previous quarter and, and kind of indicated that things had bottomed for the company. And I look for pretty good growth later this year and in 2024. And best of all, you can buy that stock at what I think is a reasonable valuation Uh, based on 2023 earnings estimates. The stock trades for about 23 times those earnings. And on fiscal 2024 earnings, it's, it's based at about 20 times those earnings. And to me, that's a very affordable price to pay for a high quality company in the AI space. So that's Alphabet, $125 $125 a share, and G-O-O-G-L is the symbol.
5: And your second pick?
8: Second pick is Adobe. The symbol is A-D-B-E. Stock trades for about $372 a share. It's down from its 52-week high of 451 and and well down from its all-time high of in 2021 of $688 a share. So it's a stock that is trading at a pretty steep discount to its all-time high. Adobe is a software company, uh, one of their major areas is publishing software, and here they have come out with a lot of uh, generative AI products uh, under the, the the heading of Adobe Firefly, which are a lot of models based on generative AI that I think are going to do quite well for the company. I think earnings are going to grow pretty nicely this year, and especially next year. And again, bottom line, you can buy this at what I think is a reasonable valuation, the stock trades at. Just 24 times its 2023 earnings estimate, and 21 times its 2024, uh, which I think are reasonable values to pay for a high-quality company like Adobe. So that's Adobe, 372 dollars a share. Symbol is A D B E, and our clients and our own both of these stocks.
5: Thanks so much, Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services. If you missed any part of today's noon business hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and on the Odyssey app.